1: real noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, this is Bachelor Clues from Game of Roses, of course, and I want to talk about Club Med. Everybody knows Club Med has been the pioneer of the all-inclusive resort since 1950 with almost 70 resorts worldwide, ranging from
0: Hello and welcome to the Stand with Heyman Dunphy. Now, people in the United States this week had a shocking experience. There was evidence on television of a really tragic event the murder of a young man, 29 year old black man called Tyree Nichols. He was murdered by five policemen, black, all of them, and it was recorded on Their body cameras, it was long and brutal, and it would remind people perhaps of other incidents like this. Rodney King, many years ago, who didn't die, but was a very famous case of an innocent man being beaten. George Floyd, of course, died, again, victim of a policeman who really smothered him to death. But this was... Truly awful to watch. And most of you will have seen it. We're joined now from Washington by Niall Stanich, associate editor of The Hill, a respected Washington newspaper because it is not as partisan as most American media can be. And Nile is also White House columnist for The Hill. Niall, we are aware of the violence that is endemic in America and the shockingness of it. This goes on the list because it lasted so long. It was so brutal. As far as we can see, or we know, Mr. Nichols had done nothing wrong. He was 80 yards from his house.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's a really, it's it's a horrendous case. I mean, anyone who has seen the film uh, obtained from body cameras and from other surveillance camera angles will see for themselves just how uh, horrifying this was. No conceivable justification at all. It is still not known why exactly Tyree Nichols was even stopped. Now, it was a traffic stop of some kind, but the uh, fundamental cause of it remains unknown despite all of the attention um, on this case. Uh, As you say, it, it... goes on uh, in a succession of cases, George Floyd uh, back in 2020, other uh, very infamous cases of police brutality here. The five officers directly involved have all been charged with attempted, uh, with uh, second degree murder, as well as other charges such as aggravated kidnapping. And obviously that trial is expected to uh, to proceed in due course, but the broader issue of uh, police brutality and the injustice suffered by uh, African-Americans, black Americans in particular, is a sort of a, uh, a running sore in this country that we have clearly failed to resolve.
0: When we spoke yesterday, Niall, you mentioned that it's the State of the Union address next Tuesday. It's a big set-piece political occasion in which the president outlines the State of the Union in his opinion. And I understand he has invited the late Mr. Nichols' parents to attend.
2: That's right, he has done. Um, Tyree Nichols' mother and stepfather will be there. It is expected that uh, President Biden will certainly renew his calls for some form of policing reform. There was, for example, legislation named after George Floyd, which Democrats made a run at passing without success uh, among other things that would make it easier to prosecute police officers it would create a, na- a national database of officers previously charged with uh, misconduct um, mandate the wearing of body cameras on a number of other uh, points but i think you know i mean, aside from all of that just the um, visceral force yes. of tyree nichols parents being there anyone who's in the chamber that night will be um, in the presence of, of uh, true people who every day for the rest of their lives will, will think about um, the loss that they have suffered in the most horrific circumstances yes. at the hands of people who are supposed to be there to protect the community.
0: Yes, the incident and the murder took place in Memphis, Tennessee. Just mm-hmm. to widen the lens a bit, Niall, Joe Biden makes his State of the Union address against a curious sort of backdrop. For example, is he going to run in 2024? A new figure entered that particular race this week, Nikki Haley, former U.S. ambassador to the U.N. when Trump was president. She was also previously the governor of South Carolina,
2: and she is a conservative and quite formidable Yeah, she is. Nikki Haley has a lot of political skill. Uh, Now, whether that will enable her to get past uh, Mr. Trump and also the other presumed major candidate, Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, is an open question. DeSantis, we should note, has not uh, declared his candidacy or really said very much about it. It's just that in polls, he is the main rival on the Republican side. To Trump and Nikki Haley has never lost an election, uh, beginning in the state legislature of South Carolina, and then winning two terms as governor. And I suppose one of the major points to make, Eamon, is that although she is, you know, fairly uh, traditionally conservative herself, she does at least appear to offer a more um, expansive appeal for the Republican Party, not least because. She's a woman and she is the daughter of immigrants from India. And that clearly just in itself uh, presents a different uh, offer or appeal to voters than uh, the rather um, nativist prone uh, Mr. Trump.
0: Yes. And you mentioned to us last week, Niall, that Trump was going on a rally in South Carolina, I think, and also in New Hampshire, which, of course, is the first state. To vote in presidential elections, hardly I would have thought Trump's kind of place, but who knows?
2: How did his trip go? Well, it went in a mixed way, and it's interesting that you bring out those two contrasts between South Carolina and New Hampshire. In South Carolina, it was an actual specific trump event he was at the state house in the state capitol uh, showing off the fact that he had support from the sitting governor of south carolina a man called henry mcmaster and our old friend lindsey graham who we have mentioned before uh, yes. a rather curious uh, figure but a senator from south carolina who has uh, veered all over the shop really when it comes <laughs> to trump but in recent years has been a rather uh supporter of his now trump was i think uh, I mean, that that event seemed to go fine, even though it wasn't the sort of mass rally that we have previously seen from Trump. It nonetheless showcased the degree of support that he has in South Carolina, and that was a state that he won, importantly, in the primary process back in 2016. In New Hampshire, Trump was attending a a Republican Party event, a Republican Party meeting, and the response there seems to be a lot more um, muted and less fervent support for him. New Hampshire, uh, I mean, not to state the obvious, but, but way up in, in New England in the northeastern region of the United States, a, a region that tends to, broadly speaking, have less of the appetite for the sort of red meat and evangelical kind of uh, republicanism from which Mr. Trump has drawn, you know, significant support uh, in New Hampshire in particular, very sort of independent, uh, mavericky kind of state, uh, where, for example, the late John McCain had done well uh, in uh, before Trump was ever on the scene. So yes. the New Hampshire one was, a, I think, got a cooler reception for Trump. But having said all of that, he is still, even in his somewhat diminished uh, stature, the, the front runner, I think, for the Republican nomination.
0: Now, the State of the Union Address is a set piece. It would have, would it, Niall, a large television audience. Mm -hmm. It's held in the House of Congress. Mm. It will be packed to the rafters. It always is. I don't know how significant it is. Mm. I'd be interested in your view of that. But certainly, a lot of people will be viewing it, will they?
2: Yeah, absolutely. It does get a very big TV audience, even now as TV audiences have become more uh, separated out and siloed. It's one of the really big events, one of the big set pieces in the American political calendar. And its advantage is that it enables a president to set out their agenda in a very direct way way. It gets a lot of media coverage, but it also gets, as I say, a big audience in real time. The complicating factor for Biden this year is obviously that Republicans are now in control of the House of Representatives, though not the Senate. Uh, Even Republicans holding one chamber of Congress greatly disrupts Or undermines, really, Biden's chances of getting significant legislation passed. So I think there is an expectation that he will talk quite a lot about the things that he has already done. And he will make, of course, some calls for things in the future. But... Uh, the, the chance of real achievements being pushed through Congress by Biden in the now less than two years between now and the next presidential election are very limited by virtue of that Republican House majority.
0: Yes, and I mean, one of the great questions in the United States politically at the moment is whether or not Joe Biden will run in 2024. If I've got it right, we believe a decision on that may be Imminent, But when he does reflect on what he believes he's achieved, there are a number of things that can be said about that. One is that in terms of galvanizing NATO and indeed Europe, the European Union, and in terms of his support for Ukraine and resistance to Putin and his war mongering, Biden has been effective, has he? Is he perceived as being? I think he's been, but mm-hmm. is, the, is that is that the general perception?
2: I think it is. I mean, there are polls here that break out public approval of Biden's performances issue by issue. And the response to the Russian invasion of Ukraine is one of the topics on which he performs most strongly. There are a lot of topics that he performs really quite badly on, particularly the economy. So I think that there is a widespread perception that he has uh, driven a fairly steady course on Ukraine and that the achievement of maintaining um, Western unity, Western solidarity against Russia is significant. Now, that's a separate question from would people vote for that or vote on that topic in in two years' time. I'm much more skeptical about that. And of course, in the interim, There's the question of whether the uh, pace and scale of aid to Ukraine will or can continue at its current level, because although the U.S. has spent uh, an awful lot of money, it's I think somewhere in the region of $100 billion in total aid to Ukraine from the start of the war, there are a number of Republicans on the Trumpian um, America First wing of that party who are reluctant, to say the least, to keep aid in Ukraine to that extent. And that could be a real schism and a real problem in the months to come. Yes, because America is about
0: to or maybe has hit what's called the debt ceiling. Mm. And therefore, if they want to continue, if, if the president wants to continue and the Senate and the House of Representatives, they have to make a decision. The debt ceiling has to be raised. And this brings our old friend Kevin McCarthy very much into play. Mm. My Kevin, as Donald called him, although I'm not sure what the relationship is like. Still nobody in Ireland claiming <laughs> to know him at all, which is a first. It's, a, it's
2: extraordinary. <laughs> no, no, McCar- Kevin, no Kevin McCarthy plaza the way there's that Barack Obama plaza. In no, no.
0: <laughs> he, Barack had relatives in Offaly, but Kevin's yeah. people are keeping their head down. But... I know that he and Joe Biden had a long conversation this week because I saw Kevin afterwards. And he's a pivotal player, isn't he, in this debt ceiling business because the House of Representatives and the Senate have roles in this. And they're they're very important roles, aren't they?
2: Oh, they are, absolutely. I mean, they have the capacity to kibosh the whole thing. And the reason that Kevin McCarthy, in particular, is very important. Is that obviously he only became speaker in the first place on the fifteenth vote, uh, and a, a situation that had not been uh, there'd be nothing similar to that in a hundred years. And McCarthy, in order to get those votes, had to um, mollify the most right-wing element of his own party. The consequence of that, when it comes to the debt ceiling, is those uh, hard right-wingers are demanding spending cuts in return for raising the debt ceiling. That is a big problem for Democrats, both in terms of politics and belief, they just don't believe that should happen, but also because they note that raising the debt ceiling used to be something that just happened uh, as a standard sort of procedure. Um, But McCarthy is sticking to his guns, that the White House will have to negotiate with him over cuts that he has yet to specify. Uh, The White House and Democrats in Congress are saying that they should not negotiate. And unless that gulf is bridged, then it will be a very serious situation, not just for the United States, but for the well, for the world economy, quite honestly. I mean, if the United States were to default on its debt, that would have very dramatic and very immediate ramifications uh, across the world because it would mean that the US dollar, the de facto reserve currency of the world, was not reliable, and that would have all sorts of uh, bad effects.
0: There surely couldn't be, even amongst the headbangers in McCarthy's, party, there were five of them who resisted him Mm. to the very end, and who, of course, because they pushed him over the line, have significant places on Mm. significant committees in the House. Mm. They wouldn't
2: surely want America to default, would they? Most of them, no. I mean, I don't think that anyone wants America to default. Um, There are arguments that I think are frankly a bit too uh, arcane to get into about how you could maybe put it off for a little bit longer by shifting money about in an even more uh, complicated way than the US Treasury is already doing. But there are uh, those uh, hard right figures who seem to be willing to take things to very close to the edge of the abyss in order to try to get leverage and to make their point. I, I would say, uh, Eamon, it, it would be a surprise to everyone if the United States did actually default, because the impact would be so catastrophic, and you'd see interest rates rise instantly, and the stock market yes. plummet instantly, and things like that. Steve Bannon might like it, but... Yeah, I mean, there, there is that sort of uh, nihilist or, or yes. you know, that yep. sort of like burn-it-all-down uh, faction. And, and therein lies the danger, I think.
0: In terms of the world, the support for Ukraine would definitely be up for debate, mm. wouldn't it? Because mm. if the debt ceiling is to mm. be shifted upwards, presumably being careful with what is spent mm. is part of that deal. And as you pointed out earlier, the United States has spent $100 billion mm-hmm. supporting Ukraine and. There's no sign of an end to that conflict and there's no sign of an end for the need that America will be supportive and will be right behind Ukraine.
2: Yeah, that's right. And I think that also related to that point, Iman, there, you know, if you say, okay, the U.S. is running these big budget deficits, we have to cut spending. If that's your argument, then the, obviously the next question is, well, what are we going to cut then? it is in the us as anywhere very unpopular to cut what is known here as social security which is effectively the the, the pension system or uh, medicare which is the system that takes largely takes care of health care for retired people so those big items on the domestic agenda are very difficult to cut and broad cuts to the military are also very difficult politically because you're perceived to be you know weakening the u.s or leaving it vulnerable to the rise of china for example and things like that so then the question is what are we spending big money on that we might not have to Oh, now, whether Ukraine falls under that heading, you and I might have our views on that. But there are certainly some Republicans who believe that you could dial back the spending on that in a big way because they fear it's a sort of a bottomless pit for American taxpayer dollars. honestly. Hi, I'm Kara Barry, host of Everyone's Business But Mine, and I am an all-inclusive addict.
1: A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music, where all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership.
0: that uh, most political anarchists are asking, and <laughs> many Democrats, which is whether Joe Biden will run in 2024 for a second term. There is, well, you tell me, Niall. He He looks frail. Mm. Occasionally he stumbles over a word or two. There seems a cognitive, if you like, dissonance there. However, he has been. On the big questions, very, very staunch, Ukraine being the most obvious of them, but also the his ability to reach out to NATO, other NATO countries, to the European Union, everywhere, really. He has, to my eye, been an effective and good president in difficult times. Is that a naive view?
2: I don't think it's a naive view, and I think I would add to it that he has actually passed you know, significant domestic measures as well. We don't need to run through them in great detail. Nobody has,
0: but, I know, yes.
2: Yeah. I mean, infrastructure spending, for example, where American, you know, roads and bridges are in a state of quite shocking disrepair at times, or a, a later thing that was called the Inflation Reduction Act, but in fact was a massive bill, uh, for spending on, on many, many. Different areas and was a significant legislative achievement. So on the one hand, he does have these achievements, and I I would add, as you say, Ukraine to those, or the the response and the support of Ukraine. But he is now 80 years old. Um he if he were to run and were to be inaugurated, he would be 82 at the time of his next inauguration and would be 86 at the time he left office at the end of a second term. That gives a lot of people pause, given that, frankly, he does not. Well, he looks like an eighty-year-old man and 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 acts like an eighty-year-old man. You know, he sometimes does seem to meander a bit off his point. He is certainly physically slower and stiffer than he was even a small number of years ago, and so that gives, I think, a lot of Democrats uh, food for thought. Just to round that off him and I think it also particularly disconcerts Democrats when they think of Biden facing any other Republican candidate than Trump. Ron yes. DeSantis for example who we mentioned earlier is in his 40s. Uh, a much, I mean DeSantis is an extremely controversial figure but a, a comparatively youthful very vigorous figure whether you love him or hate him. That yes. that visual contrast at things like presidential debates I think that uh, discomforts quite a few Democrats quite a bit.
0: And I suppose just an additional question on that, or factor, there's no obvious Democrat, as you told us, well, you've told us often, and I think you mentioned it last week, Mm -hmm. the alternatives to Biden in the Democratic Party are very difficult to find.
2: Yes. they're And they're not very inspiring. I mean, under normal circumstances, if you had an older president and a much younger vice president, as you have now, that vice president would be seen as the heir apparent. But uh, Kamala Harris has not really been seen as a terribly effective uh, performer in that role. Her poll ratings are roughly the same as Biden's, uh, in other words, mediocre. And if you look beyond her, then it's not really clear who uh, a potential democratic nominee would be. Some people talk about Pete Buttigieg, currently the secretary of transportation. Um, I, I don't know that he's quite as inspiring as his fans make. He's him had, out a, a, a charisma bypass. And yeah, I mean, he's, he's just not, uh, I don't know. To me, he's a rather vacuous figure, honestly, yeah. but maybe other people see him, see him differently. Uh, but there are the, the point I suppose, is if you think back to the rise of Barack Obama, who we mentioned earlier, yes well, I mean Obama beat Hillary Clinton at a time when she had started off as the hot favorite. And it was yes. because, at least at that stage of his career, Obama was this very charismatic, very powerful and, and obviously potentially history-making figure. There's no one remotely comparable to that in the Democratic Party at the moment.
0: Okay, now we're very grateful, as always, to you for joining us. Thank you very much, indeed. That's Niall Stanich. We're grateful to Niall, to all of you for listening. That's all we have time for now. We'll talk to you soon.
1: Hi, I'm Dori Shafrier, And I'm Kate Spencer. And we are the hosts of Forever 35. And today...